Tom Browski is a good friend to Gateway Fellowship. He and Kim pastor Harvest Christian Church here in Seaford, and he's one of the pastors that I look up to as a model of how to stay in love with God, how to stay faithful to your wife, how to stay faithful to your church, and how to stay engaged with the broader body of Christ for the sake of the city. Tom does all this while also writing computer code as a bivocational lead pastor. Tom and Kim have three adult kids, and they remain very much in love with each other and with God. In this session, Tom talked to us on the theme of the romance of the Lord. I really do consider ministry a privilege because I'm doing it with him, and when you get to join Father in the family business, Mm -hmm. that's a good thing. Um, The other thing, um, just in all that's transpired tonight, is I just want to share a testimony and affirm exactly what you guys are doing. Um, Some of you know my wife. Uh, She went back to school, became a substance abuse counselor, and um, a little over two years ago, um, started at a job in Easton, and pretty much every day, God says, let's pray for Kim, and then pretty much every day, he says, now send her that. Wow. And she is an intercessor, and she's a words of affirmation love language, and I know, I mean, I've... We'll just do a little testimony. Because um, I, I typed out a prayer for her. Um, Thank you so much, honey. I love you. Your encouragement is so sweet and helpful to me. This was after I sent her a prayer. Um, so, yeah, every day I do this. And it really isn't... I wasn't the intercessor in the, in the couple... Um, I don't know what I was, it was something else. And pretty much every day, I know because of how she's wired, how much it means to her, it really is like watering the garden. So I just want to encourage you guys in that. There are people in your lives that, you know, that will be a real blessing to you. So you're saying that wasn't your standard oh, no. wiring, but you've learned to speak her language because she matters. Yeah, and... Really, some of it is we've walked together and worked together so long. We'll be married 35 years this year. That our gifts have rubbed off on each other. She's much more organized and administrative than she ever was, <laughs> which is not natural to her. And, and I've become this kind of all-day-long intercessor. Her dad passed in November, and I had several pretty close to open visions mm. in, in the, the prayer time. Um, for him uh, through the end of his life and stuff that it still has juice on it you know that you just go wow that that's real um, sure I'm having that argument right now um, he lost the use of his legs the last several years or so, several months of his life I Kim bought him a walker too late and so in June we went to Longwood Gardens and he was on an electric cart could still walk a little bit to go around Longwood Gardens. It was, it was way cool, and we both had a sense this might be it. And he had lost use of his legs, and he's in bed, and he's fallen out of bed because he doesn't remember that he can't walk, um, and he's catheterized at this point. And it's, it's getting really, really challenging for the family, and his kids cared for him essentially at the end. His eldest daughter moved up from Florida. And I had a vision of... Um, really his passing, and Jesus came and scooped him up, and that's the only way you moved him at this stage. So he looked the same. 
he, he was you know, kind of shriveled up and his legs were pulled up. And Jesus picks him up and starts walking towards heaven with him. And out of Jesus' wounds, life is bleeding into Joe. And after a little while of walking, Joe says to, and I could see this pretty, pretty clearly, Joe says to Jesus, I think I can walk now. And Jesus sets him down and he starts walking. And then he says, let's run. And they run off into the horizon. And I shared that with Kim and she shared it with the rest of her family. We were kind of Moses and Aaron where I would share stuff with her and she would share it with the family. Because you know, I'm an in-law so I couldn't really talk. Um, <laughs> but that was the role I played in the family was just praying for him and praying for them and the care that they were giving. And um, just powerful stuff. I mean, I, I months in advance, and usually while I was running was when I would get these things because I became a prayer run guy. I used to do it with Kim. And now Kim works 5 a.m. to noon and I have to run at you know, sunrise. And um, saw me doing his graveside funeral where I had done his, his wife's um, at the Ventron Cemetery um, up by Summit Bridge. And saw it as real as day. And then I was there, you know, at the end of November and doing what I had seen. So it can be really, really powerful when you pray for somebody and just say, God, I'm available for whatever you want to download, and I get to be the delivery guy and just say, here's what God's saying. And, and especially when I first started this on a daily basis with Kim, I'm like, I can't make this stuff up. I'm out of things. After a couple of weeks, it was like, I'm out of all the good ideas. And God's like, yeah, I'm not. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm really glad that your tank is empty so I can just right. you know, fill it. But it, it's powerful stuff, listening prayer and, and being able to share it with others. So Beautiful. You guys are on the right track. Beautiful. So uh, romancing God is the, the topic that Tim uh, asked me to come and to share with you guys about. And so I'm a writer on my phone at this point. Um, if I do any prayer journaling, I, I tend to do it on my phone at this point because it's with me all the time. And so I started to tap out some thoughts, and then I realized um, these are kind of matching with the five love languages. Is everybody familiar <coughs> with the five love languages? Um, shoot, what's his name? Dr. Gary Smalley. Smalley. No. Not, not, Smaller than that? Not Gary Smalley. I can't remember his name right now. Um, anyway, five love languages is a thing. And they're quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service, gifts, and touch. So we'll end up plugging them into them. And especially in a group like this, um, and I, I love this. I've been doing living room ministry as long as I've been a believer. It started in a dorm room. <laughs> and then it's been in houses and stuff. And, and we don't do ministry in our own home anymore, which is a whole thing when our kids were teenagers and all that. But we do this in the library at our church building mm -hmm. and just sit in circle in chairs and do Bible study. So here's some of my thoughts, and again, feel free to chime in. Um, just spending time with God. If you're going to romance somebody, it's going to take time. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to invest some time and be able to do that. And uh, really two, two different ways of spending time with God that I find. One is scheduled, um, that you set time aside. Uh, the psalmist says, Psalm 92.2, It's good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning, your faithfulness in the evening. And there's classic devotionals about morning and evening and, you know, what you're good at. I'm a night owl by biology. My mom is that way. She's always been that way. And um, 
and Kim is not, especially now. She wakes up at 3 a.m. because she has to get to work. Um, but whatever is the time for you, setting aside some time, it, it really is unwise um, to think that you can grow in your relationship with the Lord right. without investing time in it. Yeah. No, nothing comes without investment. Uh, if you want to reap, you have to sow. If you want to harvest, you have to plant. Um, and so I would encourage you in that to schedule some time and set that aside. Um, I see that in my earthly relationship where I, you know, I might see Kim awake when I go home tonight. You know, that, that's how our life is. <laughs> I, I never imagined that we would be empty nesters and I'd get to see my wife on a good day two hours awake. You know, I, I just didn't think that's where it would go, but we belong to the Lord, not, you know, first and then to each other. Um, so we pretty much Friday night is date night. You know, I, I punch out early of my day job and go home and we either have a date in the house or we go somewhere else. And, and that investment helps us stay connected and need to have that with God. You need to have whatever it is, however it works for you, uh, that you put in the time and you make yourself available to him. Um, the other thing that um, I've really learned about, I feel like, in, in recent years probably, um, is the idea of being spontaneously available. Um, I think that, I can't remember whether we were eating tacos or we were working on something else, maybe planning one of our, our Power Weekend conferences at Harvest. But um, right near where I work, there's a place called Tacos Chabalita, mm -hmm. and there's something about taco-fueled prayer for me. So I will go on Tuesdays and get the same three tacos. So good. Now with the now the sodas are two and a quarter, and so I have to bring a quarter in to go with a five dollar bill to eat lunch. And um, and I usually go out and drive after that because I'm kind of unplugged and I, I read on a tablet sitting at the bar usually. Um, and it, it was it was really meaningful, symbolic. It was a parable that I was you know driving. I was going to loop back around and go to work. And I felt like the Lord said, let's drive a little further out. Let's go just a little further. And I was like, okay. And allowing the Lord to be spontaneous with you, that he might have a little more. Um, I, I find often, I, I speak most Sundays at our church, that I get into the good stuff. I start really mining the vein in my study. And it's like, I, I can't go write computer code yet. I've got to stay here and dig this out. And, and it's like the Lord says, we'll rearrange. This is too good to walk away from right now. Mm. You've finally gotten to where it's kind of the beginning of the path. And so um, I want to encourage you with that spontaneous availability. Uh, one of my favorite statements out of the Psalms, Psalm 27.8, My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. And uh, I, I do find more and more, again, kind of live in this ongoing intercession every day that there's times the Lord will say, let's stop, let's do this. Or I'll be reading something, and this is really my devotional life, is I read things, whether it's a scripture or, or a, a good book that is speaking truth to me, and the Lord will say, let's stop, let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. And I find it's hard to read through books for all the interruptions and then I have to remind myself, volume is not the goal here. Connection and revelation yeah. and, you know, rhema word to me is, is right. really the whole point. So how about you guys? How do you use time to cultivate your relationship with God? 
I usually take take like I don't know. Sometimes it's sometimes it's scheduled and sometimes it's not. But my like I don't have <coughs> but there's times where it's like just go spend time with the Lord and then and then I find myself there for a half hour, forty five minutes, an hour and it's like Yeah, and then the scheduled times I'll do that as well and it's like I'll find myself there for at least half hour, forty five minutes and the Lord's just you know, giving me revelation or giving me a, a prophetic word for somebody or whatever it may be. Like that's kind of been like sometimes it's sometimes it's really spontaneous and sometimes it's like, okay, I'm just gonna take this time out, an hour or whatever, and just spend with the Lord, pray and seek his face and so That's good. Anybody else follow on using time to cultivate that? Mine is, mine is just mostly, um, as, well, as soon as you get up, I always pray protection. You know, that's like, mm-hmm. always, as soon as you get up, you just do mm-hmm. that. I don't even know why. You just go into that and just um, pray and just, just asking to lead my way for the day, you know, whatever I need mm-hmm. to be, whoever people I need to see, mm-hmm. you know, set it up and then just go from there, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't usually set too much time because I never, if I do that, I won't do it. I don't even know why, so I just have learned not to do that. Because mm. I say, I'm going to do this, but it never works out, so mm. I'm better to just follow or just believe in the Holy Spirit a lot of times. You know, so. That's good. We, we do ours every morning, too. We, we get up, we have coffee, we have our breakfast, we feed the dog, and then we sit down and we read Bible together. And then we usually have a, um, I have a Bible that, at home that takes you through it's a couple of Bible and you get a reading with verses to read and then a, like a reading that you can and then we discuss it and pray but then I, when Gail takes her nap in the afternoon I get another 20 minutes or so in the afternoon too it's usually just me and the cat it's a cat very much <laughs> I call her a holy cat. She's always sitting on the Bible. <laughs> That's funny. I, I, the other thought that comes to me about time is um, being a bivocational pastor. I, I write computer code um, 30, 35 hours a week through the week. Kim works as a substance abuse counselor and we serve a local church. And life is busy. I mean, I. I my alarm went off at 5.30 this morning and more or less I caffeinate myself awake and been working ever since. Um, I do my first block at home, which is usually study and ministry and stuff like that. When I feel like I've made enough progress, I go write computer code. So even though I'm not super sharp in the morning, nothing else is cluttering the brain. Mm-hmm. And um, You do it first. Yeah. I'm, right now I'm teaching through what I see is seven things God says he is in Exodus 34 talking to Moses. I'm full of compassion and mercy and um, this week is forgiving. Next week will be controversial because instead of um, punishing the children for the sins of the fathers, um, the literal word is visit. And so I'm going to talk about how this God who is compassionate, merciful, slow to anger, full of love and kindness and truth and forgiving, that God, when he visits the place that your ancestral sin touches you, so, please go to Gateway, but that's my commercial for <laughs> the message at Harvest on Sunday. And 
yeah, just get up and do that. So too many times um, for me, I, I'm not, I don't fall on this so much now, but I really did as a younger man. I just get too busy for the conversation. And we took a sabbatical after we um, built this building in 2003. And my, I'll never forget my wife calling me in the church office and she said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm putting together this new desk for this new church office. And she said, it's midnight. Your children don't know who you are. And I was like, but it's the desk in the church office. And we took a sabbatical for 12 weeks. And I went out to Lake Yellowstone and I knew I needed to go walk around Lake Yellowstone and talk to the boss and, and figure out what was going on. And, and God led with, you've reduced me to a business consultant. You want me to bless your work. You're working really hard. You're very invested in filling this building. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's all you asked me about. That's all you talked to me about. And I said, okay. God said, what's on your heart? And it, was, it, was, it was probably an hour, hour and a half walk around the lake. And um, I pretty much said, I'm never going to get back to that place again where I'm a professional Christian. I want to be a real Christian and happen to be doing ministry because I'd gotten the cart before the horse. Mm. So the lack of time will show up. You can only fake it so long. I've, I've, I've been a serious believer all my adult life, and you can only draw <laughs> out of the old stuff for so long. you you got to have new. So I've got to spend time. So that's quality time. Um, Chapman, Dr. Gary Chapman, not Smalley. So I recommend the five love languages to you. They're good. I read it the first time. It came like, to you. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, the, the hard drive runs a little slower than it used to, I think. Um, yeah, the first time I read the five love languages, I didn't get it. And then I had to go back through it and I went, oh, I get it now. And I'm a time person, so it was easy. And my wife is a words of affirmation person. So talking to God, I, I can't cultivate relationship without there being some communication. It's got to be there. So, um, Is this number two? Yeah. yeah so number five. two is? Words of affirmation words of or affirmation. talking. Um, when you read the Psalms, I love reading the Psalms out of new and different translations because instead of hallelujah, praise the Lord, it forces a new vocabulary on you. And um, I had a worship leader for a while, and, and she struggled with being cliche in what she brought to the Lord. It was the same sound bites. And so I gave her a copy of the Message Bible and said, I want you to read the Psalms in this. And she said, why? And I said, because you, you tend to express the same things to God, and I want to challenge you to make it fresh, to find a new You said that. Yeah. It's intense. Yeah. I mean, I was nice. Um, but... I find myself doing the same thing, that I'll, I'll pray the same prayers. My morning prayer is usually, God, would you guide me today, and would you pace me? Because I don't only need to know what I need to do or what the list is, I need you to walk me through it at the right pace. Because sometimes I try to rush it, sometimes I'm moving too slow. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I'm sitting on my bed, deep in thought, and the Holy Spirit says, we're done, let's go, let's go. The only way you're going to make your hours is if you get up and get dressed and go to work. I'm like, ah, oh, God's like, no, no, no. This could go on forever. You're done for the day. Let's go. Um, but do you, do you speak to God from your heart? 
or do you only recycle the same phrases? And it can be challenging to find a fresh vocabulary for prayer to really tell God new things. Um, Psalm 45, 1, beautiful words stir my heart. I recite a lovely poem about the king, for my tongue is like the pen of a skillful poet. Do you let God write new things through your tongue? And, and Mike Bickle, again, in the context of listening prayer, Mike Bickle has said, you know what prayer really is? You sit in a room, and God tells you something, and then he says, now tell it back to me. So you just sit there, and God tells you stuff, and says, now tell that back to me. That's all prayer is. He says, and then God says, now don't go eat that sandwich. What does that have to do with me sitting in this room, <laughs> listening to you tell me stuff, and then I tell you back what you told me? And he's like, it doesn't make any sense. It's not logical. Something transacts spiritually that doesn't, doesn't make sense in our brains. So, am I letting God say new things through me? You know, I, I find I, I thank God for mercy. I thank God for help. I thank God for grace. And God's like, come on. You know, those are well-worn. Let's find something else. Mm. And again, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of different Bible versions. Um, probably the latest and the greatest for me is the Passion Translation. I just got that. I heard one one lady repeat. I'm like, ooh, I think I want to... Yeah, that was just so awesome what she was talking. I'm like, oh, I've never heard it that way. Yeah, I, I have a it. pastor friend who says, the text is nice, the footnotes are fantastic. Like the message, it's a one-man translation paraphrase. And he says this because he was a Bible translator with like a Wycliffe-type group. He says, if you went to another country, you wouldn't need a committee to translate for you. You would take out a translator, and you would say something, and they would translate it. So you don't have to have a committee to translate something to something else. There's a committee that reviews it to make sure it's, it's sound. But here, here's just my favorite current nugget from the Passion Translation. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, Jesus says, Come to me, learn of me, for I'm gentle and humble of heart. Passion Translation says, Come to me, let me be your, your oasis. Oh. For I am gentle and humble and easy to please. Come on. And wow, the first time I really read that, I went, I'm not. You're going to the bookstore tomorrow, aren't you? It's called used on Amazon. I'll tell you that right now. Or if you do U version or anything like that, yeah, it's around, it's all around. Yeah. And like the message, the New Testament's done. He's done Isaiah. I think he's working on Genesis. But it, it will put new words in your mouth. Yeah. When when I heard, I'm like, I want to get a version of this. I like and he's it. real big on praying the the Psalms, like Eugene Peterson, who did the message. I love Eugene Peterson. And and it just gives you a vocabulary that you go, wow, I wouldn't have said it this way before. Let me let me pray into that. Let me think about that. So heartfelt praise in your own words. Do you really tell God how you feel? I, I remember this being said about poetry. Um, Anthony Bourdain, some of you might remember yeah. Anthony Bourdain. He was, he was a guilty pleasure for my wife and I. It's just a shame, proof that fame and money don't satisfy her heart. Um, but he was talking to this guy in San Francisco who was a poet, and they're out eating in San Francisco, and he says, you know, why poetry? And the guy said, well, it's not for everybody, but when you have a significant other and you express to them that you love them, and they stop and they go, Why? It'd be good at that moment to have something beautiful to say to them. <laughs> so good. A moment like that, you probably want a little poetry in the back pocket. And my wife asks me why. Yeah. She used to literally sit there and say, 
tell me why you love me. <laughs> and it didn't work to just say, uh, you're hot. It's not enough. Also, also not, or it might have been enough for once. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, it's I, good. I said to my wife one time, you know, sometimes you are painfully beautiful. And she was like, what? And I'm like, you know, we, we definitely struggled raising kids because uh, we had some challenging children, one in particular. And um, it'd be like, you know, I look at you and I'm mad at you and you're mad at me and you're just taking my breath away. And she's like, wow. I'm like, well, I, I didn't want to make up with you. I was just describing that because I'm still right and you're still wrong. <laughs> Tom, that's accurate. I, I like that. That's good. Yeah. Well, at my daughter's wedding, my youngest, um, my wife walked out of... You're still wrong. <laughs> um, and she is sometimes. Uh, my wife walked out of the house, and, and she does not look like she looked on our wedding day. You know, um, I, I say all the time to her, I love you all the ages and shapes and sizes that you are. It's been fantastic being on this journey. You know, I can enjoy it. The first time she got her hair permed, I thought I was sleeping with another woman. You know, I reached over there and there was like, you know, kinky hair over there. It's crazy. And I said to my brother-in-law, I said, she walked out of that house and it took my breath away. And he's a guy who's been divorced. And I've, I'm the only in-law who stayed married to a nudge. So I, I say to the family, I should get an award. All the rest of you had to train another one. Because there's four siblings. Train them. And, uh, and, and I said, no, I'm, I'm just being serious. That's, that's how I feel. It's like, wow, am I that way with Jesus? Because I'm, I'm a romantic at heart if it, it isn't works. coming through. Yeah. Can I do it with him mm. like I can do it with that girl? And part two of talking, words of affirmation. Am I listening for God's words of affirmation mm. to me? Jeremiah said, when I discovered your words, I devoured them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. And we often think about it. It's the book. But how about God telling you how he feels? Mm -hmm. um, years ago, before we were at Harvest, we were at a church in Newark and uh, worked in campus ministry. I became an assistant pastor. And I asked um, one of the women, there's a couple that lead at worship, and they were really big into um, special songs or, or singing like a song off the radio type of thing, um, which could be really powerful sometimes, felt a little Specials. performance others' time, yeah. And Offertory is what we used to call them. <laughs> yeah, like, so, so write your check, we have time, there's entertainment while that's going on. And I asked her to sing a song, I don't even remember the song right now, I think it was called Look Me in the Eye, Margaret Becker, some of you have been believers long enough to remember Margaret Becker, and the line that slayed me out of it is, when I see you, I want to hear you say that you were proud of my life. And I'll never forget sitting in this, this professional park that we rented part of the space. And the words came out of Nancy Petrucci's mouth, and the Lord spoke to my heart and said, I'm proud of you now. You don't have to wait till you get face to face with me. I'm proud of you now. And I was like, wow, I just want her to sing this song because that's how I feel. I want to... I want to hear well done when I get there. And God was like, we don't have to wait. Eternal life is mm -hmm. right now. I'm well, I can sell well done, good and faithful servant now. Right. Um, we don't have to wait for that one. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that part of why our romance with the Lord can grow thin and can grow historical is that 
we're not really telling him the poetry. And especially we're not hearing from him the poetry, how he feels about us. You know, I, I was driving um, to meet Tim at the uh, Gateways building, and I don't know if anybody else caught the sunset tonight, but it went pink and coral and orange, and I'm colorblind, and I could see <laughs> most of those colors. And I was like, wow. I was like, yeah, you're welcome. You know? he, he's a performance artist. He's always got something else to display. Day by day, pours forth speech. The heavens are telling the glory of God. If we're not hearing him speak fresh words of life and love and encouragement to us, we're just not listening because he's speaking them. And that's not, you know, I'm not intending to be harsh with that, but um, they're there. You know, I'm, I'm really trying to tune in. Every now and then he just slays me. And, um, it's good. It's good stuff. Any thoughts on words of affirmation, speaking fresh, heartfelt words to God or hearing those things from Him? I like that you brought up listening for affirmation in chapter 1 when Brad Josek was talking about different ways people hear God. He said the one way that almost every person on the planet uh, immediately says, oh yeah, I've had that before, is conviction. And he said, let's try it right now. Father, have I displeased you in any way today? And he's like, there, that was easy. And he goes, yeah. He's like, God loves bringing conviction of sin because he wants so much to remove it, cleanse it, and wipe it clean and restore fellowship. And, and I, I thought, first off, his emphasis there was really helpful. And then he said this. Can, he's, Brad's like, can you do me a favor? How about every single time you ask the Lord, have I displeased you in any way today? Can you also follow that question up by saying, how have I pleased you today? Yeah. And he's like, can you imagine being in a relationship with somebody who the only time you spoke was for them to tell you what you did wrong that offended them, and them at telling you what to apologize for? Yeah. And I was like, ew. Gross. But that's how so many of us start with the Lord, that we're sinners and he's a holy God. You know, that that's what we have in common is him correcting us. I think I think the affirmation is good because because sometimes as believers you don't you don't know if you're doing a good job. You don't you mm-hmm. don't know if you know you know it's like, you know, you're following God but sometimes you don't you don't know if, if like and sometimes you need to know that because sometimes the enemy likes to come and speak lies and condemnation. And condemnation. That's right. And some and sometimes you need that affirmation from the Lord to know that hey I am doing good I am where I need to be or mm-hmm. whatever it may be mm-hmm. you know and and again you have to set aside time to do it and you have to believe that He has something to say that's positive because my wife is a words of affirmation person. She goes and finds things like this, and she said, "You know, it takes seven positive things to counterbalance one negative criticism." Yeah. And wow, early in my life and in our marriage, I was like, "I am losing. <laughs> I am really losing." The math didn't add up. <laughs> no. Well, and it's funny. Um, I want to honor my father and mother because the Ten Commandments say to. But I was raised in a family of criticism that was sometimes joking sometimes not joking and sometimes really hurtful and cut you down to mm-hmm. size. 
And so we spend time with them, and I find myself sometimes being really angry because I've worked my whole adult life to not be like that. Because I married somebody who needs me to water the garden, not bring a heat lamp on it and scorch it. And um, it, it has trickled into my relationship with the Lord where I've gone, oh, what, what my native language was wow. is criticism. You're attuned to hearing the wrong things. Yeah. And so it's really taken that. And so if it takes that much positive, um, yeah, he, he is love. He does correct. Yeah. He, he does have wrath. You know, scriptures talk about that. He's slow to anger, but he's not never to anger. He's just slow. But he is. That's who he is. And love speaks. Love affirms. Love, you know, romances and speaks poetry. So I encourage you in that to, to speak those words of affirmation to the Lord and, and challenge yourself to, to find some fresh vocabulary and listen for him too. Um, again, I, I'm a strange person when it comes to this, but I've really deeply developed this running and praying thing. Um, I also drive and pray, and I think both those things provide enough distraction that I can really tune in and listen. Yeah. Um, I, I can't sit alone in a quiet room and do very well with it. I've, <laughs> I'm a quiet instrumental music person. If I listen to worship, I'll start worshiping and not listening, and it, it can be different. Um, and sometimes worship music is part of my job, so it's crazy. But I just want to encourage you and challenge you with that. Listen for God to speak on good to you. Hold on, let's slow down on this. Um, I'm hearing you say you find it easier to have heart-to-heart connection um, when your body is occupied with things that don't require a lot of mental computation. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Running and driving, either of those. You can do those without thinking hard. Right. But if it's not enough, you struggle. Like just sitting still, it wouldn't be as easy. Um, it, it varies. I, I think some of it is that, um, especially like today I did a prayer run. I, pretty much every week I do a run that's longer and at a slower pace, and I literally pray out loud while I'm running. How, 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 how do you breathe? <laughs> I run slow enough to be able to do that. And, and believe me, I'm not fast, never been fast. So it's the opposite of driving. When you're praying hard while you're driving, you drive faster. <laughs> Well, literally, because we were talking about this driving up here, because I'm shifting into spring 5K mode, Tuesday I ran fast. And when you run intervals and you really run them as as hard as you need to, there's no praying. You either pray for survival or you pray for death. There's there's nothing else going on. Because basically, if you thought like a road with telephone poles, you run fast to the next one and then run slow to the following one and then run fast to the next one. So that's the rhythm. So the prayer switches from, Lord, you're amazing, to God, help me. Right. That's exactly what we do. So today, I'm out, and I'm supposed to do a prayer run, and my body is going, this is too slow. And I have to say to myself, prayer, not pace. Mm-hmm. I'm out here to pray. And, and usually it's early enough in the morning that there's not people out and about. And so I can literally pray out loud. Every now and then, somebody will come out of their house, and they're like, I heard that guy. And I'm like, uh, okay, hi, good morning. You know, I'm not morning. talking to myself. <laughs> See, that's me when I'm praying. It's usually out loud. And yeah. Donnie says, you're always talking to yourself. No, not really. But right. <laughs> not yeah. talking to myself. Just <laughs> talking to I don't even think about it now. I'm not alone. Well, and, and like Tim was saying earlier, again, in the romance of God, God made every one of us unique. Yeah. And... We, we keep trying to 
pray and, and, and do spiritual disciplines in a certain set of ways instead of going, what works for me? And I got into this running and praying habit because Kim and I used to do it. We used to run a 10-mile race together every September around our vacation or our anniversary. And, um, and we would take turns praying because we learned about conversational prayer where I pray on the topic, you pray on the topic. And we'd go back and forth. And, and when we were younger and fitter, we literally could run miles and miles. I would take a turn, she would take a turn, and we would see who would lead. My wife, I couldn't keep up with her. Okay. She's too fast. Um, but what happened to me a couple of years ago when Kim started working as a, a substance abuse counselor in many clinics are 5 a.m. to noon, so people can come in for counseling or mm -hmm. treatment or whatever before they go to work for the day. I'm out doing this run, and Kim's not there. And Jesus is like, what am I, chopped liver? Come on. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Lord, and God's like, come on. And that marked the beginning of this season where my life became pretty much all day long intercession because I would run... You know, I feel like I'm bragging for the podcast. You know, six, seven, eight, nine, up to ten miles. It's a couple hours, and you know, talking and, to Jesus and finding that He had lots to say. It was in one of those long runs that I saw myself in mm -hmm. the chapel at the Veterans Cemetery, mm -hmm. conducting that service. Um, the pieces of that last season of my father-in-law's life came. And, and so for me, when I'm going out to a prayer run, I can feel my spirit is going, dude, this is one of those zones. You click in and you just are there. Because when I'm sitting home, phone could ring. I don't take the phone run. You know, this could happen, that could happen. My brain could be a million. No, I'm only out here for one reason. I'm going to log the miles. But I'm here to do it. And it's amazing how many times I, I pray the things I'm thinking about. And then God's like, okay, let's go over here. Let's do this. Let, let's let's touch because he's always living to make intercession for us. So I'm only joining Jesus in prayer. He's yeah. already there. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's been a crazy few years of, of setting aside that kind of time on a regular basis. Go, okay, this works for me. Do you find a, a connection between doing something that hurts that's good for you? Do Do you find this a similar kind of? There's a is there a similarity in your spirit with conversation with God and your body? Uh, not, a, not necessarily willingly cooperating. Am I making sense? Do I need to rephrase I think the so. question? Because um, I think we sometimes feel like it shouldn't be hard. Right. To, to, why, why would we, if we're really in love, why would we have to make ourselves right. have fellowship with God? Well, I think the, the phrase spiritual disciplines... Sometimes you just do it. Um, somebody said years ago, it's you have a desire for it, then you embrace the discipline, then it becomes a delight. And uh, and for me at this point, yeah, prayer runs have become a delight. But, yeah. And again, it, I compared to other runs, I'm having to run them slow enough that I can actually pray. But praying out loud also for me helps with focus. Yeah. So I just pray it in my head. So I'm, I'm planning lunch, and you know yeah. what else do I have to do today? And yeah. I always carry the do list in my head. So it, it, And again, I've gotten a lot more experimental in all areas of my life instead of saying, this is it, this is how it works, let's try something. Right. And, and I think that most Christians really need to do that and say, what works for me? Well, try some stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Try listening prayer, try different versions of the Bible, try mm -hmm. and, and things are seasonal, like we were talking about driving here, that there was a season I only did running prayer with my wife. Right. And... Then God shifted her season, and I spent the first year really missing her horribly. And then it was like, 
well, that, that's not going to happen. This is what she's called to. So I'm going to go out and pray alone. And, and my spirit literally is going, oh, cool. We're going to pray for this long. We're going to, get, we're going to go down. We are going to drill deep. And I'm like, wow, okay. Because drive-in prayer for me is usually I'm driving a commute. i got 15 minutes. And if there's slow people in the left-hand lane of Route 13, it's... Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean, if? <laughs> well, and not enough space to get around them. So I, usually if I do a prayer drive and it's dedicated, I'll do the back roads so that I'm not yes, distracted. And distracted. Yes. Yeah, and that, that's a, a joke in our church is, you know, um, if you need patience, just go out on Route 13. <laughs> God will work with you. The men in my church don't appreciate that. I'll give you some of my kids and they'll teach you patience. So, anything else on talking? Those words of affirmation. Uh, third love language, acts of service. Um, I read a book years ago that I'll recommend to you. It's, it was by a mystic. We don't really know who it is. His name was just Brother Lawrence, called Practicing the Presence of God. And he was a monk, and his assignment was in the kitchen in his monastery. And he talked about washing a dish for the love of God. Mm -hmm. Just doing that act of service mm -hmm. out of a heart of saying, God, I want to love, I want to wash this dish out of love for you and, and serve you well. And we can do acts of service out of that place and, and have that be part of how we romance God. Um, I water the plants in our church building almost every Monday. And they carry on my father-in-law's legacy because he gave them to us. He had a degree in horticulture. And so I have this connection by taking a, a you know, if you have a water cooler, you have a five-gallon jug on top. Well, I have an old one of them that is our watering can. So I do that act of service every, every week. And thank God for new growth and beauty. And people are like, Tom, how do you do these plants? And I'm like, gallon a week. That's all I got. I didn't pick them. I didn't plant them. I, I just dunk up a gallon of water in them every week and they're beautiful I nice. know that. Mm. so you can you can do acts of service you can wash a dish for the love of God and again if you flip it can God do acts of service for you Romans 8.28 says that God works all things together for good not all things work together for good God works things together for good, the good, bad, and the ugly, for those who love him who are called according to his purpose. And when things work out, there are many times where I just know God's saying, you're welcome. I, I put this together, I wove this together in a certain way. And you're like, wow, that, that just fell into place. And that's God serving me. That's God serving us when, when those things fall into place. And you can tune in and have that sense of awareness of, wait a minute, this wasn't just circumstantial. <laughs> That's right. God was involved, you know. And, and I don't personally believe that God does everything that happens on the planet. Right. But I'm his child, and nothing happens in my life that he's not tuned into. And so he's ordering those. And sometimes he's ordering tests and trials to help me grow, because he's not as committed to my comfort as he is to my character and my That's growth right. and becoming like him. Um, but then sometimes you, again, to use running, you hit that stride, you hit that second wind, and things click into place. And you're like, wow, it's nice when it works. You know, um, a two bathroom things go bad in a week. Our, our house has a heat pump, and in the wintertime, it blows cold air 
thermostat says it's 70, but it does not feel like 70 degrees. And so we have given in to space heaters, um, in, especially in bathrooms or bedrooms, not in the rest of the house. And we had a space heater go up. And then the knob on the second shower, which if you ever get to empty nest place, becomes the husband's shower, where the kids <laughs> used to use, because the cosmetics just grow. Um, and so I had, a, I had a bathroom, and I'm coming up to Sunday morning. I'm already there. I use the whole bathroom. What are you about? <laughs> I'm coming up to Sunday morning where she's in that bathroom with two sinks covered with cosmetics, and I'm in the other one because I don't need much to do my hair. Um, and there's no space hater, and I'm going to have to get a pair of vice grips to do the shower. And I'm like, it's going to be fine, Tom. It's going to be okay. It's just, you know, tweaking my, my particular nature. And... The day before, we go to Walmart and find a space heater and take it, and it's like better than the other ones. I'm like, wow, that worked out. And then in the mail that day, the new sh uh, shower handle came from Moen. Recommend Moen, they'll give you a lifetime supply. And put it on, and, I'm, and I was like, you're welcome. You have a new space heater that's better. You have a new handle on your shower. You thought you were going to be in here kind of rednecking it with some vice grips and being cold to go get your head in the right space to go do Sunday service. And I provided all this just in time. I was like, Lord, God's like, problems come, problems get solved. Okay. So that was an act of service that God did for me. He worked some things together. And it wasn't just the stuff. His care and concern and attention to me came through. How about you guys? Anything like that happened for you lately that something worked out and you went, ah, that was the Lord? Yeah, we just had an inspection in our house that we were warned it was going to be the toughest inspection we ever had in our life. And the lady came in and she looked around. Everything was beautiful. Got in a car and left. No problem at all. Wow. What happened? And we had a laundry list of problems. Yeah, we had a laundry list of problems before, but she just... Everything is great. Everything's great. Okay. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> well, you guys already heard mine. So. <laughs> we, we were supposed to get laid off from the whole, you oh, know, yes. we have the construction oh, business. Yes. We were, we, um, they told us they were going to lay us off for the month of February, the rest of February. I'm like, oh, we're going to go under. We're not going to make this. Mm. Well, so I went out that night. Just dying. I said, oh, go on out. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I come back home with $25,000. Wow. So <laughs> that was like that quick. Because I just said, Lord, you're going to have to do this. You know? So, yeah. That was a quick answer to prayer, and then they also told us we weren't going to be working. We're working, mm -hmm. also, and we, you know, we only had like a week and a half off actually, so that worked. Vacation, too. awesome, yeah. Quick prayers. I was like, yes, Lord. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and He adds no sorrow to it. Because mm -hmm. it's it's not about the stuff, mm -hmm. you know. It, it's taken me a very long time of being, I, I use the phrase, a serious Christian. I've, I've been in ministry most of my adult life. And only now, in fact, one of the rebukes that still stings a little bit, um, shoo, was running my normal route, and I turned the corner. It's kind of the home stretch going home. I'm less than a mile from home. And it was just breathtaking. And eyes, this is the Passion Translation, eyes that seek beauty bring joy to the heart. Mm -hmm. 
and I have learned to start noticing God's yes. performance art yes. every sunset, yes. noticing when the trees are framed against mm-hmm. the sky and go, yep. all this is free and it's breathtaking. Yeah. You couldn't buy it. So I turn this corner and literally it takes my breath away how beautiful this street is with the trees and all that's there. And, and God blindsided me and I'm like, wow, this is, this is just unusually breathtaking this morning. And God said, yeah, I did this street for you, but you're still worried I won't pay the bills. And I mean, it was, it was one of those like a sword right through me moments. And, and I knew it wasn't critical. I knew it was in this context of beauty. Yeah. And, and I, I really felt like the Lord said, I'm disappointed that you were struggling so hard with worrying that I'll provide when you have this much track record now. And I literally just had to say, God, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry because time and time and time and time again, we've never been begging bread. You know, we're in the best place we've ever been, but it's that unknown, you know. Mm-hmm. Is the contract going to run out? I mean, you know, you want to stretch your faith, live on a ministry paycheck because, you know, the host might forget to bring his cash to be able to put in the offering. It'd be crazy. <laughs> because I've had financial advisors who will sit with me and say, you know, those people were big givers and they've left the church. What are you going to do? I have no idea. I don't know how. I've, I've shepherded this church for 27 years and we've paid the bills. And I have no idea how we'll go from here. Because I don't come up with the money. I, I do what he tells me to do. I obey and he's faithful and he provides. That's and right. so I have this moment where I turn this corner and God takes my breath away and he says, but I'm disappointed because you're worrying. I can do this. And, and nobody else notices it that well. But you're sweating that I won't pay the bills. I was like, Lord, I'm sorry. God's like, I, I forgive you. But we've grown deep enough that I can let you feel some of my disappointment about this. I was like, wow. I was like, love you, I'm for you. But... We ought to be past this. This shouldn't be eating your lunch the way it is. It's like, wow, okay. And, and just, you know, this week, somebody who's a big giver, you know, oh, I got touchy about something else. And, and I was like, no, I am not doing I'm not hearing God say he's disappointed on tomorrow's run. No, in Jesus' name. I did some decreeing and declaring and how faithful God's been and we're the wisest we've ever been. And, Kim you know. would be so proud of you. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, she she is amazed at me sometimes. She's like, "How did you get this?" Well, I can good see the difference too. Tonight, yeah. I'm like, "Okay." Yeah. I'm like, "Well, you went back to college and got a career, and you know, I've been in the house praying, I guess, between things." So, so acts of service. Can you do acts of service and do them unto the Lord in a way that cultivates relationship? And can God bless you even in the little things or big? in such a way that it isn't just the thing, the money or the shower handle or whatever, but that you can hear God saying, I love you through it. And sometimes they're little for me that God's like, yeah, you know, I was thinking of you. Okay, Lord, that's pretty good. When the, when the salsas at Tacos Chavalito really take your breath away, you go, ooh, God's like, you're welcome. Yep. Number four, so quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service. Number four is gifts. Wow. The little drummer boy. What gift could I bring before the king? What gift could I offer? Should I? 
play for you on my little drum. And then he smiled at me, rumpa pum pum, me and my drum. I was praying over that, I think, this morning and just running and praying and sweating and crying. Sometimes it really feels like all we've got is a little drum. Mm -hmm. What gift can we bring? You know, I want to hear you say you're proud of my life. Heart of Worship was playing a little bit earlier. You know, um, I want to bring before you something that's of worth is the lyric of that song. I sang that one time and God said, you're of worth. If all you bring me is you, I don't need you to write a million dollar check. I don't need you to produce some big massive thing. Just you is something that's of worth that you can bring before me. Okay, God. So I can't sing that song without having that moment again, you know, over mm -hmm. that line. What gift could I bring to lay before the king? And another book I'll, I'll recommend to you, I, I'm not sure I read the original book all the way through. I think I did. But um, many times with really good books, they'll make a devotional version out of it where they'll break it into bite-sized pieces. And I love those because I love, just give me a thought and let me chew on it. I don't want to have to read you know, a 20-minute you know, chapter. Just give me a little couple pages. Let me have it. By Ann Voskamp. It's called 1,000 Gifts. And somebody challenged her to start a thankfulness journal to thank God for a thousand things. Mm -hmm. And she is so poetic and such a wordsmith and such an observer. She'll see the light come through the window and hit the dish suds and see the rainbow on the side wow. You know, and say, thank you, Lord. That was a gift right then. Yeah. And can we let God give us gifts like tonight's sunset that our hearts receive him saying, I love you, I did this for you. And we receive the gift. And let it cultivate that love relationship between him and us. Anybody get any good gifts lately? Some way that God did something for you and you realized it was a love gift from Him. Yeah, a pair of shoes. Cool. Uh, I, uh, I gave somebody a pair of shoes and, and got the same exact pair of shoes back. Same, wow. Same, same color, same brand, same everything. Wow. That's sowing and reaping right there. Yes. It's good stuff. And it just it just rocked my world because I because because it was my boyfriend my girlfriend's brother and did anyone else catch that that uh, yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't, um, what's going on there Stanley um, awesome. so um, uh, basically um, I gave him the shoes because the Lord told me to give him a pair of shoes but he specifically told me told me to give him a pair of Nikes that I had bought when I was 15 years old and I wanted the same pair of Nikes mm -hmm. now. And the Lord said, you give him those Nikes. Which kind was it? Uh, I, I, can't, I can't remember. But 
They were like kind of like the um the Nike Air ones, mm-hmm. like the high top, the high top ones. Like were they Jordans? No, they were, they were just the regular the regular like Nike Air back in back in the day Nike Airs. And um, the Lord said, "Give them to him." So I said, "Okay." And uh, and um, and I got the same exact pair back, brand new, same color, same everything. That's cool. What's the deal with you and buying people's shoes? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I have one more to, to share with you, and um, the last one is touch. Do you have any touch people in your life? My, my wife's primary love language is words of affirmation, but she's a toucher. The men in her family kiss each other, which I'm like, no, I'm good. You know, maybe a bro hug, but that's about it. On the chain. Um, no, I've, I've seen my father-in-law kiss his grown sons on the mouth. And um, we have a missionary that we support who's from, uh, has been in Turkey. Which, I think that crosses my lines. Yeah, you have to pay for that. Greet one another with a holy kiss. See, if I did that, I would have to be doing it to be intentionally offensive and funny. Yeah. And that part of my life is over. You you Part of my up. life where I would intentionally try to just offend people. That's that's not it. You didn't grow up with that. that uh, no, I didn't. Kiss. You're right, I didn't grow up with Carl that. and I did. I know. We're, we're still we're like... Alone. I was a little kid. A little yeah. See, our whole family was not touchy. Ah. I have to make... Like, it's, it's like I have to push myself. Even when I had kids, I always said I would hug my kids because we didn't in our family. Wow. You know. There was no touch. No. We love each other, but there was just never yeah. any... From a distance. Yeah. See, I was raised that same way, and then Kim busted into the Borowski family, and now my mother demands a kiss before I leave when I come and go. Of course, she's going to be 80, so she can demand what she wants. Mm-hmm. But she was like, how come everybody around Kim gets all that, and I don't get anything? <laughs> and so it, it's affected our family. That's great. Um, a man who was a spiritual mentor to me back in my campus ministry days, he's home with the Lord now, taught on Holy Spirit-governed imagination. And he really had a revelation on this. He was reading John 13, where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And he said, Lord, can I enter the scene? Can I sit at the table mm-hmm. and have you wash my feet? Mm-hmm. And, um, and he's kind of had the same experience that Peter did, that, you know, I, yeah, I just no, can't. Lord, yeah. uh, you know, this is really difficult. And um, I'll never forget this. And Jesus washed Joe's feet. And then Joe said to Jesus, can I wash your feet now, Lord? And Jesus said, okay. And Jesus sat in the chair. And Joe got down with the wash basin. And he said, when I touched the nail scar, my life changed. Because I touched the place that Jesus paid for for me. Again, just in a moment of prayer and allowing God to use your imagination. And we, we sing a song. Um, I want to know you. I want to hear your voice. I want to touch you. Yeah. I want, you know. And God challenges me with this memory of this experience this man had when every time I sing, I want to touch you. You know, Do we really touch him? Or, or have we been raised spiritually in, in families that don't touch, that might speak or might act, but touch becomes more difficult for us? Interesting. 
and really for me, um, and again, quite often it happens when I'm running and praying, it seems like, or it happens in a worship context. Quite often on Sunday mornings leading worship, it feels like God's hand literally will reach down inside me for something and say, I want something from here. I want, I want you to give me something from down in here. And it both feels painful that he's putting his hand inside me and that he's trying to pull something out. And it's just an overwhelming thing because he's in me. He lives inside me. And he's, he's wanting to, to draw something deep out of the well of who I am and touch my life in that way. And so there's something really powerful and it's a little mystic and it's a little um, monk-like uh, to do that. But we cannot really limit God and our relationship with God to just what our brain can understand. We're so much more than this marvelous computer in our heads. And I say that as an engineer, <laughs> that there's so much more that is beyond what the scope of our brains can understand that God wants to do with us. Um, that he, he, he wants to do all these kind of love languages with us. And touch is often beyond words. Um, more and more I work with people who are grieving because everybody I minister to, everybody is getting older. And, um, and grief is a part of life. And there are so many times that there's no words to say. You don't explain how somebody loses a loved one, especially if it's a child or lost in tragedy or something like that. You just be there. You know, you just, you know, offer a hug or, or just sit and hold somebody while they cry. There, there's a, a communication in touch that you really can't do any other way. And again, I wasn't raised in that naturally, so it seems so foreign. And it's taken God drawing me to say, sometimes there's no words. Or let me do something else. And Jesus did it. Jesus touched people. You know, the woman, um, it's my wife's bedtime. That's what the alarm is. The woman who wanted to touch Jesus' robe, there, there was a physical point of contact that something happened, something was transferred. Virtue went out of him, one version says. Um, but that's, I, I saved that for last because it's a, a challenging concept to think about. How do we cultivate a love relationship with God? through the love language of touch. Time, we kind of have words spoken back and forth, doing acts of service, giving of gifts. But touch just takes things to a whole other level where periodically I, I can sense the Lord saying, you know, that touched me. You touched me. You know, when, when you found a new way to say that. <laughs> when you really gave me, you know, praise from your heart. Um, to help cultivate that love relationship with God. So I, I find that the five love languages um, work in human relationships, work with kids. Um, everybody's wired differently. But God's all of them, and he wants them all from us. Mm -hmm. And I think with a touch thing, not only do we touch him, but he touches us. Like, like that's been... like. Like when you were just sharing that, the, the Lord kind of gave me a revelation of something. Mm -hmm. And because because when I um, operate in like praying for people, there's two things that happen to me. The one, my hands get really numb 
from hands get really hot. Mm -hmm. And the Lord told me they were, you know, one's for prophetic, which is when they get really numb, mm -hmm. and the other one is for healing when they get really hot. Wow. And, but that's his touch. Like, mm -hmm. like when you were sharing that, that's what, that's what, you know, came to what, what the Lord kind of spoke to me. It's him touching so we can touch and reach other people. Yeah. That's good. I didn't used to think that I was a, a touch love language person. And I've more recently discovered that I'm huge in that one. Mm. That um, I disproportionately respond to touch. But, but I'm not prone to, you know... Mm -hmm. I, the example I always give of the people that seem so f like, f like, wow, what is going on over there? Was um, uh, Dave and Lisa Chupp and their kids. I used to watch them worship and it almost made me feel claustrophobic. <laughs> everyone was touching everyone in the whole pew. Mm. They were either holding hands or arms around each other during the singing time. The, like the whole family. Mm. And it just made me want to get free. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I simultaneously thought it was beautiful, right? And made me want to kind of say, "All right, all right that's about enough." You know, that's mm -hmm. enough touch. You know. Um, but this year, the Lord stopped me when I was having a we were having a conversation, and He said to me, um, "Touch is huge in our in your walk with me, Tim. Mm -hmm. I'm constantly touching you as a way of communicating." beyond words, mm -hmm. before there are words, when there are no words, like his, his, his physical touch on my body is, has been a constant through every season of my soul. My soul can be in a totally unbelieving shambles and I think I'm falling away and his presence is there mm -hmm. on my body. And so there's almost no correlation whatsoever between what his Holy Spirit is doing and what my soul is doing. Mm -hmm. And... Um, he has told me he's never going to withdraw that. And I found a book by Watchman Nee mm -hmm. when I was young in the faith, and Watchman Nee basically said, God will give you beautiful things of his presence when you're a baby Christian, but at some point he's going to withdraw those to teach mm -hmm. you faith. Mm -hmm. And I threw the book down and said, don't, I'm, I'm never reading that boy again. <laughs> I have since read, read I love Watchman Nee now. But that, that freaked me out right. because I had just come out of the world and I had experienced this beautiful, experiential love relationship with a God who is here. And the first thing he said to me is, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And then Watchman Nee says, yeah. he's going away once, you, once he establishes you. He's going away for a long time to teach you how to be strong. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, this is the whole point for me, is that he's not going away. I can't even handle that right now. And my mom said, he's not going away, Tim. Don't be... <laughs> And he's told me many times since yes. that he's reaffirmed that not only will he not leave, but he's not going to withdraw that, that touch from, you know. But again, this is, where it's, this is where it gets like risky to share personal experience. It's really unwise for us to compare each other's experiences. That's right. And it's really, like, I, I'm nervous about sharing, you, like you asked the question, but well, what do we do with our time with God? I'm, I feel uncomfortable sharing what I do with my time with God mm. because I don't want that to be anybody's model for them to feel like they're not doing what they should be doing. Right. By the way, I'm not saying that any of you who shared shouldn't have shared. That's not my point. I just know how this is like, find something that works for you and Jesus mm -hmm. and, 
and uh, Father uh, Thomas Hopko, one of his 55 maxims that he wrote down was pray as you can, not as you think you should. Pray as you can, not as you think you should. Mm. And man, that has just been a lifesaver for me. You had shared, uh, you had shared about there being, you know, a response or an activation or something at the end. And so I was praying over that. Oh, great. I really felt like what God wanted to do for us tonight is He wants to speak words of affirmation to everybody. Mm. So I had one of these recently that was just very, very different. That basically was about um, God being pleased with Kim and I for our perseverance. Mm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. that we were... I, I, I share it because I'm skirting around it and going, it's not, not an easy thing. And ladies, please, I, I don't mean any disrespect. I have tremendous um, regard for ladies. But my wife looks different than she did in her wedding picture. She's skinny as a rail and had hippie hair. And, and she looks very Long different hair. today if you've seen her before. Long and straight. Short hair, huh? And, um, and the Lord asked me, he said, do you, and again, I want to be sensitive, do you love her less because of, you know, the changes that are there? And she carried three kids in her body, and there's stretch marks, and there's other changes that get made. And I said, you know, Lord, I love her, and, you know, kind of the earth suit she's in is, is just the earth suit that she's in. It's okay. And I felt, felt like the Lord said, and he really was speaking to me about Kim and I together. She said, when you started this, you were unscarred and you were unstretched and you had a, a innocence and almost a naivety about what it was going to be like to serve me together. And now you're stretched from fruitfulness and scarred and you don't look like a young cover model. And yet I love you even more for loving me out of that state, having paid that price, having journeyed from when you look, and literally got showing me pictures of my wife, we have some wedding pictures around the house, and saying, you started this way, and you didn't know what it would mean, but now that you've paid this price, you literally you carry in your body the price of our relationship and the fruitfulness and all that's going on, I love you even more. Because you're scarred and you're stretched and all that you've been through, and I'm running down the street crying. So there's a words of affirmation of God saying to me out of a very personal thing, something I love very much, my wife. Um, you love her even more for all that she's been through. And there's a sweetness there. He, he loves us as his body for the stretch marks and the wrinkles and all that we've been through. So, and God wants to say something that personal to everyone.